following Jesus through the book of Luke. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, let me bring you up to speed quickly. Our goal of this series has been to follow Jesus around as he moves through the book of Luke. And we've been paying attention to what Jesus has been doing and to what Jesus has been saying. And as we watch Jesus' actions and as we listen to his words, the hope and the, and the, the, the goal for this uh, series is for us to, to find Jesus beautiful and compelling. And that we'd have greater certainty of the things that we believe as followers of Jesus. That Jesus really is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, and the Savior of the world. And that we would find that Jesus really is worth following. Now, following Jesus is not easy, but it's definitely worth it. And so today, we're going to talk about the transfiguration of Jesus and what that means for us today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and we're going to read from verses 28 to 45. But before I do, let me just say a few things. Now, chapter 9 is a pivotal chapter in the Gospel of Luke. That's because in this chapter, we get the final and definitive answer that's been posed to us throughout the entirety of the first half of the Gospel of Luke, which is this question, who is Jesus? Who is this man that the angels would announce his birth? Who is this man that, the, that he preaches that the kingdom of God has come? Who is this man that claims to forgive sins? Who is this man that even the winds and the seas obey him? Who is this man that casts out demons? Who is this man that heals the sick? Who is this man that even raises the dead? Who is this man that can feed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish? Who is this Jesus? And it is in chapter 9 that Luke gives us the final and definitive answer to that question. In Luke chapter 9, verse 20, last week's sermon, Peter mentioned this. Peter said, the apostle Peter said, that Jesus Christ was the, that Jesus was the Christ of God or the Messiah of God. And today, in verse 35, we will hear God the Father's answer to this question. Today, God the Father himself will answer that question, who is Jesus? And God the Father will tell us that Jesus is his son, his chosen one, and therefore we must listen to him. So people of God, this is the word of God. Please give it your careful attention. Reading from verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. 
And they kept silent, and no one in those days uh, anything of what had been seen. And on the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. And while they were marveling, at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this, this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about the saying. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Here's the outline for today's sermon. First, the transfiguration of Jesus. Second, the declaration of, of God the Father. And third, the words of Jesus. Let's start with the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus took Peter, James, and John uh, up to a mountain, and they began to pray together. And as they were praying, Jesus was transformed before his disciples. Luke tells us that Jesus' face was altered and that his clothes became dazzling white. Now, Matthew in his gospel tells us that Jesus' face shined like the sun and that his clothes became white as light. Jesus was physically transformed into a radiant, brilliant, and shining figure. He shined as bright as the sun. His physical transformation even extended to his clothes so that his clothes was blindingly white. This is uh, something completely supernatural. You see, for a brief moment, the veil of Jesus' humanity was lifted, and Jesus' divine nature was allowed to shine through in all of its glory. The glory that was always there, but hidden for a moment, was revealed. This is both a glance back at Jesus' pre-human glory and a look forward at Jesus' glory at the end of time. For the first time in his earthly life, his physical body was in full accord with his divine nature and his inherent glory was revealed for all to see, or at least for the three disciples to see. And the shining face of Jesus should remind us of another shining face. You see, there was another time in the Old Testament that a face shined. If you recall, the face of Moses shined as he came down from the Mount, Mount Sinai after having met with God. But Moses' face shined with what we call reflected glory. It was partial. It was fading. You see, uh, Moses was like the moon that reflected the light of the sun. But Jesus' face shined not with reflected glory, but with inherent glory. You see, if Moses was the moon, then Jesus was the sun. Jesus' face did not reflect the glory of God. It emanated the glory of God. Because Jesus was the source of the glory of God, because Jesus was God himself. 
and the transfiguration of Jesus on this mountain is what theologians call the recapitula uh, recapitulation, simply a rehearsal or recalling of something else. It was rehearsing and recalling Mount Sinai and the first exodus. And we know this because Jesus met with who? With Moses and Elijah. And what did they talk about? His departure. Did you know that the Greek word for departure is exodus? Moses and Elijah represent the Old Testament, and they were talking to Jesus about his exodus. You see, everything that the law and the prophets promised and foreshadowed was about to be fulfilled by Jesus and by the exodus that he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And the exodus that Jesus was going to accomplish in Jerusalem would be done through his own death and resurrection. You see, friends, the transfiguration of Jesus tells us that Jesus is the better and greater Moses who has come to accomplish the better and greater exodus. Moses delivered his people from their slavery to Pharaoh, and that was really, really bad. But Jesus, the better and the greater Moses, would deliver his people from a far worse slavery, slavery to sin, death, and hell. And Jesus would accomplish this better and greater exodus for his people through his own death and resurrection. So the transfiguration of Jesus tells us this, that Jesus is the greater and better Moses and that he was going to accomplish the, the greater and better exodus and that he was going to do it through his own, by dying on the cross and by rising from the dead. Next, let's consider the declaration of the Father. In verse 34, we're told that a cloud came and overshadowed them. But this was no ordinary cloud. This was the glory cloud that appeared numerous times in the Old Testament. You see, the glory cloud was a sign of God's presence and transcendence and power. And, and we saw the glory cloud in the Old Testament. Do you recall? It would come down on the tent of meeting when God would meet with Moses and speak to Moses. And, and we know that this cloud was the glory cloud because God was present in it and God spoke from it. And God declared two things from the glory cloud. First, God declared who Jesus truly was. The voice of God the Father at the transfiguration of Jesus gave us the final and definitive answer to that question, who is Jesus? In verse 35, God declared, this is my son, my chosen one. Now, the declaration of the Father at the Transfiguration, if you've been paying attention, you should recall a similar declaration that God the Father made at Jesus' baptism when he said, you are my beloved son. But here's the difference. At the baptism of Jesus, God the Father said those words to Jesus for Jesus' sake. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But here at the Transfiguration, God the Father speaks not to Jesus, but to the disciples, telling the disciples, this is my son, my chosen one. You see, friends, Jesus, if you recall from last week's sermon, had just explained to the disciples that following him would entail them denying themselves, picking up their crosses and following Christ. It was going to be hard, and they needed to be encouraged that Jesus was worth following even unto death. 
And so God the Father told the disciples that Jesus was his son, his chosen one. Now, chosen one was just another title for Christ or Messiah. So God the Father was confirming and affirming Peter's earlier confession back in verse 20 when he said, Jesus was the Christ of God. Second, God the Father declared a command to his disciples. In verse 35, God said, listen to him. Because Jesus was God's son, because Jesus was God's chosen one, we must listen to Jesus. Now, this command didn't just apply to Peter, James, and John. It applies to everyone who would consider themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, to listen to Jesus means so much more than simply hearing Jesus. Listening to Jesus means submitting to everything that Jesus said. Listening to Jesus means believing everything that he says and obeying everything that he commands. To listen to Jesus means to submit to his authority as the Son of God and the Chosen One of God. Friends, this is what it means to listen to Jesus. When Jesus says something is true, you believe him. When Jesus promises to do something, you trust him. When Jesus commands you to do something, you obey him. That is what it means to listen to Jesus. Now, if Jesus really is the Son of God, and if God really and truly commanded his disciples, including us, to listen to him, let me ask you, can there be anything more important in this life than listening to Jesus? The most important thing that you could ever do that has both earthly and eternal consequences is to listen to Jesus. Listening to Jesus is more important than anything else in this world. Let me try to explain. Listening to Jesus is more important than getting into college. Listening to Jesus is more important than finding a good job. Listening to Jesus is more important than making a lot of money. Listening to Jesus is more important than finding a good spouse. Listening to Jesus is more important than raising your kids. Listening to Jesus is more important than not getting COVID. What is the most important thing in your life right now? What concerns you the most right now? Whatever that is, I'm sure it's good. But it is not more important than listening to Jesus. You see, if God himself were to appear to you personally, and he directly told you to do something, would you do it? <laughs> I think you would. you take that pretty seriously. Quite literally, God himself showed up in a cloud on a mountain and personally and directly told three disciples, and not just them, but every disciple, to do something, to listen to his son. You see, here's the thing. God didn't infer this. God didn't uh, like, you know, imply this. He didn't indirectly suggest this. He clearly and directly commands you and me to listen to his son. And if God commands you to do something, let me ask you, can there be anything more important than that command? I don't think so. And at the close of my sermon, I'll, I'm going to talk about a couple of practical ways that we can listen to Jesus. But for now, what I want to do is I want to impress upon you the critical and the vital importance of listening to Jesus. Now, I cannot exaggerate this, and I cannot say it more forcefully than this, so let me say it like this, okay? There is absolutely nothing in this world that is more important, that is more urgent than listening to Jesus. 
Honestly, I can't say it more emphatically than that. I, if you want me to, I can scream it for you, but I won't. But if there's ever something to, to get animated about, if there's ever anything, something for me to shout at the top of my lungs, it's this, listen to Jesus. Those are not my words, those are God's words. And my job is to tell you what God said. Literally, nothing is more important than listening to Jesus. So listen to Jesus. Now, after the transfiguration, Jesus came down from the mountain, and he met a man who brought his demon-possessed sons. But his other disciples, the nine others that didn't go up to the mountain with Peter, James, and John, were unable to cast this demon out because this demon was very powerful. But Jesus was the Son of God. It was no problem for him, so he was able to cast out the demon. Now, actually, going forward, no miracle that Jesus performed should ever surprise us. Of course he can do that. He's the Son of God. God said so, right? And so we get now uh, to the words of Jesus. Now, this is really important. Up until now, we have been paying attention to Jesus, right? We've been paying attention to what he's been doing. We've been paying attention to what he's been saying. But after this command at the transfiguration, like, like we're really going to be paying attention to what Jesus says, right? Certainly, the next teaching that comes out of Jesus' mouth would have extra weight and significance, Right? And now, as if on cue, in verse 44, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The Father's command to listen to Jesus sets us up for this very moment, right? And it's as if Jesus is saying, hey, listen up, I'm going to tell you something really, really important. If there was ever a time to obey the Father and to listen to me, it's right now. So listen up. That's what Jesus is saying. And did you also know, this is the first time Jesus has ever said, let these words sink into your ears. So Jesus himself is signaling that what he's about to say next is super, super, super important. So as as you can imagine, the disciples must have stopped what they were doing, sat up, gave Jesus 100% of their attention to listen to what Jesus was going to say to them, and so should we. Are you ready? So what did Jesus say? In verse 44, Jesus said, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Let those words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Now Luke tells us that at this moment the disciples did not understand what Jesus was talking about because it was concealed to them. But we know what Jesus was talking about because we have the rest of the Gospel of Luke and we have the rest of the New Testament. Jesus was talking about what would happen to him once they got to Jerusalem. Once he got to Jerusalem, he would be delivered into the hands of men who would put him to death on a cross. Now, of all the things that Jesus said and did during his earthly ministry, this was the most important. Jesus did many important things during his earthly ministry, right? He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He cared for the poor and widows. He condemned leaders who oppressed the poor. He fed the hungry, and he preached the gospel. Jesus did all those things, and they're important because they revealed the nature of the kingdom of God. But the most important thing that Jesus came to do was to save his people from sin and death by dying on the cross for them and by rising from the dead. Just as the exodus of Israel began with the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, 
So the true exodus for God's people will begin with the sacrifice of Jesus, the true Passover lamb. By shedding his blood on the cross, Jesus accomplished the true exodus for us. And he set us free from our slavery to sin, Satan, death, and hell. And Jesus, our better and greater Moses, will lead us to the true promised land of heaven, where we will live with God, where there is no more sin, no more sickness, no more injustice, no more violence, and no more death. Friends, whether you grew up in the church or you're new to the church, listening to Jesus begins with this. It begins with believing what the Father said about the Son, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that Jesus died on the cross for you. And Jesus died on the cross for you because he loves you, because he wanted to save you from your sins for the forgiveness of your sins. He wanted to adopt you into the family of God to make you a beloved son or daughter of God and to make you an heir of eternal life. Listening to Jesus begins with believing the gospel, which is simply this. Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, loves you, and he went to the cross for you, and he laid down his life for you so that you might not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? It begins with believing that. So what? What's the takeaway for today? I have two things. First and and most importantly, I urge you to believe what God the Father said about his son. The God for the Father's answer to this question, who is Jesus? The Father says Jesus is his son, his chosen one. So today, I urge you, would you believe that? Would you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Uh, Believe that he's the chosen one, the Messiah that God has sent into the world to save the world. Now, we live in a world that we all know is broken and really messed up. The pandemic and then the insurrection that happened this week at the U.S. Capitol show us that this world is not what it's supposed to be. But it's not just the world that's messed up and broken. We're messed up and broken. None of us are what we should be as well. And friends, this is why God sent his son into the world. God sent his son Jesus to redeem, renew, and restore a world that is full of broken and messed up people. And one day Jesus will come again and he will make all things right and all things new. One day this world will be the way it's supposed to be. One day you and I will be the way we're supposed to be. Jesus has promised that. And what I say, when Jesus promises to do something, you trust him. That's what it means to listen to Jesus. And here's the second takeaway. Let's obey God the Father and listen to Jesus. To listen to Jesus means to submit to his authority. To listen to Jesus means to believe what he says and to obey what he commands. But how how, how do you listen to Jesus? How are we supposed to listen to Jesus? Well, we listen to Jesus by reading, believing, and obeying the word of God. You listen to Jesus by listening to the Bible. Now, because of the pandemic, all of us are at home a lot more, and we have a lot more disposable time. And I confess, now I'm going to confess for you too, that we all spend probably way more time than we should on social media, watching Netflix, or watching K-drama, or playing video games, right? 
And if you're on social media, uh, that probably means that you spend a lot more time listening to the cultural voices of our day, whether they're conservative voices or progressive voices. And we have allowed our culture to disciple and to shape us more than the Word of God. And that has been disastrous to our spiritual health and to our witness for Christ. Let me say that again. The fact that we have allowed the culture to disciple us has been disastrous for our spiritual health and for our witness for Christ. Honestly, I cannot remember in my lifetime when the actions of foolish Christians has done more harm take away the credibility of our witness for Christ. When I saw those images of Jesus saves or Jesus 2020 or people carrying the cross at that insurrection, friends, that dishonored Christ. And if the world thinks that's what Christians are about, oh God, have mercy on Now, more than ever, we need to let the word of God disciple us and not the culture. And here's some real talk. All right, it's been a while since I've given you some real talk, but here's some real talk. You cannot follow Jesus unless you listen to Jesus. And if you're not listening to Jesus, I assure you, you are not following Jesus no matter what you say. It is only by listening to Jesus that you can learn what to believe, what to think, what to value, what to love, and what to do. And the truth is, you will always be listening to someone else's voice, won't you? Either to progressive voices or to conservative voices in our culture or to the voices of your parents, family, or friends or to the voice in your own head or to the voice of Jesus found in the Word of God. So I ask you, Whose voice are you listening to? Because, make no mistake, you're listening to a voice. Every one of us listens to a voice. I want to ask you, whose voice will you allow to shape and disciple you? Because someone's voice will. So this new year, as we begin 2021, I want to challenge you, Christ Central, to listen intently, intentionally, and regularly to Jesus. If you're serious about following Jesus, then you have to be serious about listening to Jesus. It is only by listening to Jesus that you will believe and behave in a way that pleases and honors him, or, or else you may end up doing crazy things in the name of Jesus that actually dishonor him. Honestly, most of us spend more time reading Facebook than God's book. Facebook may be entertaining, but it is not edifying. This year, may we be wise enough to choose the better portion for our souls. So Christ Central, let's read God's word together. Let's listen to Jesus together. And as you read the Bible, I want you to be asking yourself two questions as you read God's word. First is this, What must I believe today? From what I read in God's word, what is it that God wants me to believe, value, and love? Second question, 
What must I obey today? From what I read in God's word today, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to obey? Friends, listen, that's how you listen to Jesus. You don't read the Bible merely to be more informed. You read the Bible to be more believing. You read the Bible to be more obedient. You read the Bible to be more submissive to the authority of Jesus. You see, friends, we want the Bible to transform us, not merely inform us. So Christ Central, let's make a church-wide resolution this year to listen to Jesus. Let's set aside a regular time every single day, preferably early in the morning, when we can sit down and read God's word in an unhurried fashion so that we can listen to Jesus. You know, there, I, I, I'll be honest. There are so many times I used to kind of approach this with kitty gloves, right? Hey, can you uh, set aside five, just five minutes every day, you know, before you rush off to work to read the Bible? Forget that. Forget that. I know you can sit there and watch Facebook, read Facebook for like an hour straight. So I'm going to challenge you. Grow up and spend at least half an hour, maybe an hour every day listening to Jesus. You listen to Jesus for five minutes and you listen to the world for five hours. Who do you think is going to disciple you more? You're not in youth group anymore. Can we take reading God's word seriously? Because not only do our spiritual lives depend on it, I believe our witness as a church to the world depends on it. So make the biggest resolution that you've ever made in your life this year to be serious about reading God's word. Now, if you're a member or a regular attender of our church, then you should have received an email from me uh, this Friday. And in that email was an attachment of a Bible reading plan that I recommend. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your roommates. You can do it with your community group. I don't care who you do it with. Just get into the word and read it and believe it and obey it. Also, in that email, you will find a link to an audio Bible app called Dwell. Now, I know many of you don't like reading, and that's okay. You can use this app to have someone read the Bible to you. Okay, you can just listen while you're driving. And, um, and for the first 100 people who sign up, our church will gift you, gift you a one-year free subscription. So you have no excuse. We're going to do, we've done everything that we can to encourage you to get into the Word. So Christ Central, this year, let's listen to Jesus. Whether you use a traditional Bible reading plan or a modern Bible app, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you listen to Jesus. You cannot follow. We cannot follow Jesus without listening to him. And there is nothing more important than listening to Jesus. Because that's the only way that we'll follow him and live in a manner that actually pleases and honors him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. That you would grant our church, every member of our church, the enabling grace to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to him. That we wouldn't stop taking the Bible for granted that we would stop just opening this book once a week, that each and every one of us would open this book every single day so that we might listen to Jesus and follow him, believe him, and obey him, and live in a manner that actually honors him and is good for the world. Give us the strength to do that. Holy Spirit, enable us to do that. 
the glory of God, we pray.